Welcome one and all, I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and this is the Virtually Agile Podcast, the pod that shares conversations with Agile thought leaders, as well as amplifying newer voices. You'll hear about agility, virtual working, and everything in between. If you find value in listening, don't forget to follow or subscribe on your platform of choice. It is the very best way to hear about the latest episodes as they land. Enjoy the show. Fellow Agilists, welcome to Season 2 and the latest installments of the Virtually Agile videocast. Now, I'm a firm believer in neurodiversity and amplifying the voices of those that are seldom heard. So each season of the, the videocast will feature four newer voices as well as four established thought leaders. I'm fortunate enough to have been involved in a few events and conversation with Barry so far, including a panel discussion on the, the Agile Manifesto back as part of the Agile 20 Reflect Festival. He's a co-author of the Agile Manifesto, a thought leader at Humanity Group, and a fellow Agile agnostic who has just charged his glass of wine ready to go. Pleased to welcome Harry van Benekum to the show. How are you, Harry? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, you know, just before you started the recording, we talked about, uh, you know, the weather outside because it's warm. You're dressed up like it's warm in Absolutely. here. It's the same. I will not show my legs, but I'm sitting in my, my, my short, you know, Bermuda, right? It, it's good. Um, I love the work at the moment. Um, COVID has changed, of course, my, because my, my, my work was travel, travel, travel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in, in, in March, January, already last year. It really stopped. Uh, I had to get used to it. Now traveling is opening a bit. So because I miss it, right? I will never go back to the travel idea. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a decision I made for myself. And you know, I'm the only one who can architect my own life. You know that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm very happy with a couple of things that happened in the sadness of COVID and the crisis. For myself, uh, I'm feeling good the way the way things are going. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I think it's a really important point you mentioned there. COVID has been you know, terror, terrif- or absolutely devastating for, for many, many reasons, but it's also accelerated change on the digital working side of things because it's, I guess it's enabled people to reevaluate how they want to spend their time and their lives. Maybe they don't want to spend 10 hours a week commuting anymore and use that time for you know spending time with their family uh picking up new hobbies just things for their mental and spiritual health and i think um yeah it's going to be interesting to see what the next few years brings in terms of how we transition uh work-wise and whether whether offices will be still as important as they were or maybe they'll become these hybrid environments and there's a lot of discussion about that at the moment what are your thoughts there well the, the couple of things have they happen by force because you know people always no often people ask me oh you know Ari Agile about face to face communication and now we are ge- geographically distributed and blah blah and uh, is that possible and I will say you know you and I see each other mm-hmm. the only thing that yeah so we have the, the verbal the non-verbal the paraverbal everything is there great um, the only thing is that we don't smell each other, right? So uh, that's not necessarily a disadvantage in some cases. So I'm good. Uh, and that's that's the funny side of it. Uh, what for me was already common sense is that you can do transformation work, coaching work, agile work, collaboration, any kind of thing. You can that geographically distributed over the last, not when I started, right? Because when I started in the mid nineties, I remember it was just driving up and down. <laughs> to meet each other and and now over the last i would say maybe 15 years 10 years you know really the connections be, 
really uh, are good and you can do a lot. So I worked already with a lot of cross-border teams. The difference is, of course, everybody is home now. Mm -hmm. In that case, you had maybe in one team, three locations, that kind of thing. Uh, but COVID has made us clear that not everything has to be in an office. And I know from companies at the Netherlands that they're going to reduce their, their office space by 50% or more. Mm. Because they know that some people, uh, everybody will come to the office, uh, maybe a day a week or so, but they will also spend time at home, right? Mm. And just imagine, in your case, I don't know, but in my case, if I take my travel time and half the travel time is for work and the other half is for my family, what do you think, man? So mm. I think that's that's the and also in the environmental impact don't get me wrong right i mean it's so clear so for me uh i, I i'm an optimist so i take out of what happens um what is beneficial and i think um uh agile working i think it's really good you need to be on site together have that cup of coffee or a beer or a wine or a bite you know to get a deeper connection the the the, the the, the disadvantage I know, noticed, I was actually talking about it uh, just an hour ago, is that you have the situation where you you tend to go back to back from one meeting to another because people look on your agenda, oh, available. Yeah. And um, uh, th that moment where you and I, after a meeting, are on our way to another meeting or so, and you and I chat or we go to the coffee machine uh, because we take a break, or those are the moments that you miss. And mm -hmm that's something that you have to work on you have to realize it but for me at the moment it's it's going well and i see also a lot of people getting out of it better but it's in the remote working is intense because of what i just said that's very clear Multiple yeah there are, there are some things that companies need to learn that people need to learn about how to how to make it or help each other be successful in this remote working environment you, you touched on a few things there about the difference between being face-to-face -face and, and being virtual you don't have perhaps that a physical connection you can't shake hands with someone obviously that's how contracts used to be signed you know you'd shake hands with someone you'd you'd have a physical connection and that, and that would create a sense of trust and a, a bond that perhaps you don't get because of the intangible nature of someone being behind a screen versus actually being able to shake their hand physically um, you mentioned obviously the fact that this situation can cause bouncing between meetings to meetings to meetings and the burnout and things like that that can cause is something I know companies need to navigate. I know there's research going into it. And there was something I saw uh, from Microsoft where they had various brain scans imaged over time. And the longer someone was in back-to-back -back meetings, the more stressed their brain was, be was becoming. Yeah. And, um, and that's actually why recently I've been pushing, particularly within my company, and I've been sharing this with others as well, is that you can change your Outlook settings by default just to schedule meetings that they're 25 minutes and 50 minutes rather than half hour and an hour. Yeah. And that means that when you go to just put a conversation in the diary, it automatically sets to 25 minutes. You don't have to alter it. And that allows that five minute gap between meetings to disconnect a little bit, to use the bar, whatever it is you need to do to get up and stretch um, and 50 minute meetings accordingly. I'm, I've always said that anything over 45 minutes is a workshop anyway. So why do you have all these hour long meetings in the diary? It just, for me, it just compresses that in a little bit and just gives people the time back so they don't always, yeah, constantly. There's, there's a funny story I can share. And even remote, I, I walk into it. Uh, it's it's really something I really like, actually. 
um, a couple of years ago, I was doing a, a transformation in the south of Germany. And, you know, the, the, the stereotype of Germany is like, you know, discipline. Yeah, uber efficient. <laughs> and I remember, you know, you would have uh, a session about something and that takes maybe an hour, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not long, but it's an hour that you do about something. And, and then let's say it's from 10 to 11 and 5 to 11, they would stand up and walk away. And I would like be, where are you going? He said, you know, we have to be on time for the next meeting. So yeah. bye. And now I'm I'm working uh, very often with people from Germany remote. Mm -hmm. And if the session is 11 to 11.30, it's 11.28. And they say, sorry, I have to go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and they're out. And as long as you are aligned on that kind of work, but I think that's important, right? As long as you align together, that's how it works. I'm good. And I like that moment. Also, the example that you gave, you know, five or 10 minutes earlier, that's it. Um, and then you, you can have your coffee break or get a cup of coffee or yeah, yeah sure. Good. What, whatever it is you need to do in that time, just to decompress yeah. for a few moments before yeah. being switched on again. And think about the reality is if you don't have those times and it is a back-to-back -back meeting, what happens is the first five minutes of meeting, you're probably waiting for people to arrive anyway. And then that's five minutes times however many people are in that meeting. That's a lot of wasted time just sitting around waiting for the previous meeting to finish and you just start on the next one. So it, it, it just makes sense. I don't know why we aren't doing more of this. And I think these are some of the things that uh, a lot of companies are going to be looking to navigate in this, in this whatever model they end up applying, particularly where if you've got a situation where you, you mentioned earlier, you might have a team that's comprised of people from this location, this location, this location, and they're never going to be face to face or it's going to be very costly for them to always be face to face. So the reality is, is when one person in the team isn't co-located, you have to behave like everyone is remote. Otherwise, you end up being not inclusive of those people that aren't yep. yeah so you end up having to dial in anyway and then you have a situation perhaps where people are traveling into an office and then just dialing into a meeting all day and not actually having conversations anyway so it's yeah it's gonna be something i think uh interesting for companies to learn and navigate about and i'm i'm increasingly trying to think about how to create this this virtual water cooler office environments i've been playing with with, with uh, virtual whiteboards and trying to create a place where people can go and share random funny things you know tv recommendations books but also here's his latest updates here's a bit about our team and that sort of thing and trying to make this this place where you can go because we are missing those those conversations we may have had on the way to a meeting room or over a coffee and those sorts of things it can be done i think we just we, there's going to be a lot of learning a lot of learning for companies yeah, you have to be aware of the, that this is going on and then act accordingly and everybody can act in his own way. But you have, ignoring it is the risk. Yes. Handling, handle it in your way. That's okay. Absolutely. So, Ari, given the, the theme of this, this show, this video cast, it's about amplifying newer voices. I'm keen to hear from you who you feel is doing great work out there, perhaps who isn't always speaking at conferences and events that I should maybe reach out to and get involved in the show. Well, you know Sam Zawadi, right? I do indeed, yeah. Yeah, I I like his mind. I like the fact that he's humble. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's you know, wide wide range, uh, hardworking, mm -hmm. uh, uh, healthy thoughts about agile and what it should bring. Uh, but you bump also into new people uh, in in clubhouse. That is, uh, Ricardo is extremely active at the moment. Ricardo Liberato. Yeah, 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 exactly. Doing a great job. 
Uh, but I hosted I hosted Ricardo recently on an agile gaming meetup that I I run every every month or so. So he came along and demonstrated his version of the the virtual coin game um, that was that was well received. So yeah, I know I know of Ricardo. I'll uh, I'll reach out to him. And Sam 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 and I spoke only about a week ago about um, agile agnosticism about uh, the community yeah. that that's that's being being created. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll reach out to to Sam as but well. There's, there's more, Chris. Um, those are maybe even the obvious names that people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the world. One of the guys that I really love is uh, Tao Xia from okay. China. Uh, extremely involved, doing a lot of hard work, very reliable, and also a great agile transformation coach in okay. China. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, in in, uh, in in Thailand, I work with uh, Pratan and Prut. They are both guys, senior agile coaches, working hard local heroes with the rest of the world people might not know him okay um, in central europe i have nenat who is doing also always nenat stanich is always doing a lot of work you know like like a maniac going around very good coach and in and you know if you go to the other side of the world even like latin america i have uh geronimo vargas and fernando pinceroli they work together they have a connection to spain they're from argentina they have a connection to spain but what I like about all those people is like, you know, I just have to send out an email. Guys, can we talk about this? And everybody's together. We set up a plan and then we collaborate for the next six months on stuff that we're going to deliver together. And we deliver, right? And we're happy and we feel it like a success. And that's cool. And those people, also with the different cultures, mm-hmm. might be might be really interesting to, to get in. Yeah. Great recommendations. I haven't featured anyone on the show from a couple of those parts of the world yet, so keen to get some of them involved, I will I will yeah. certainly reach out. Next question then. So, uh, it's, you know, we've, we've talked about recently uh, the Agile Manifesto. Um, Agile was formalized, I guess, 20 years ago, the Agile Manifesto for, for Software Development. You've done some talks recently about where you feel Agile and, and I guess business agility is headed next. Anything you'd like to share? Where do you feel Agile is going next? Um... And next, I don't even know because there seems to be because there's a little bit of time difference in where, where across the globe, you know, where you are in the agile journey, right? So mm-hmm. you see some some things um, uh, happening here, and they happened already before somewhere else, and they are reoccurring. Um, the, the the one thing that always sort of bugged me is that that people think that. Agile is for IT only. Mm. And I know that bloody word software is in the manifesto. <laughs> I know, I know, blame it on the boogie. I mean, you can send me, you know, all these hate mails, Ari, you should have done something about this. But I always, always work agile outside my, I, because you would have five, six, seven teams working in parallel on the same backlog, but there mm. would be software development in there, but there would also be the marketing in there. There would be, you know, the, the, the audit trail would be the different so that's one. And I noticed that more and more people start becoming aware. They, they start sort of, oh, yeah, you know what? Otherwise, you can't get into corporate agility. And that brings the next thing is the business agility. And that, that, that I mean, you have to. You have to understand that the way you, you run your, your business, the way you do innovations, let me put it like this, you know, in the past, innovations would be like, oh, we do a proof of concept and then we take three months to evaluate it. And then uh, in the meanwhile, you're going bankrupt and left and right. You know, the competition has bypassed you. 
Um, so understanding that innovation is part of, of because because the technology and the, the, the pace of innovation disrupts business models, you need mm -hmm. to be prepared and you don't know what you need to be prepared for. So you need to have a completely different organization around innovation and running the business and, and getting the value. And then, of course, uh, something that you and I touched on before as well is you need to you need to understand that these kind of organizations need different kinds of people mm -hmm. and the people need to be treated in a different way. Um, and sometimes people talk to me, oh, yeah, but it's about the millennials, right? It's about the millennials. <laughs> no, 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 it's not necessarily about the millennials. I know the older people get, the less they are open to change, uh, but but. You know the way we work 25 years ago people don't want to work anymore mm -hmm. and um that's so so it's from from the the, the agile non-it stuff to business agility to okay and the people doing it actually right that's the thing that's that's going to, that's where agile will be developing the most i guess yeah i'm a firm believer in what you were saying there about agility applying regardless of the context right you can have agility in your personal life you know just have fast feedback loops with how you approach things try new experiments be open to change that's the thing i see it and see how things go uh pace of innovation i had um joe justice on the the final episode of season one and he was uh, leading uh, agile at tesla and they were talking about the, the hardware agility and how they they try things and, and deliver things in three hours and then adjust accordingly and things like that and, and the feedback loop they engender and the pace of innovation they create as a consequence allows companies like Tesla to be at the forefront of, of industries and innovate and change. So hugely, hugely important. Yeah, what do you think, Chris, about running a, a recruitment campaign in an agile way? If you're in, a, in, an, in an area where resources, I know people are not resources, but... People, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> you know, the, people are, the people that you need are scarce, right? What do you do? Um, and, and maybe there's a lot of competition to get those people around you. Um, you. You are not waiting for this recruitment process where one makes the ad and the other one gets the first, they get, makes the appointment and then the next one gets the first interview and then another one makes the, and then, no, you need to have a multidisciplinary team means mm -hmm. doing everything in the definition of Donald one recruitment new, uh, recruitment of one new employee and making sure that it works like this, handing over to each other, sharing and make it very high quality, very fast, mm. uh, because you need to be ahead of the competition, right? And 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 that's just an example. Yeah. I mean, ta talented people won't stay around for long, and if you've got a protracted recruitment process that means that a candidate is waiting over a week or a couple of weeks for the next interview, you're just going to lose that person to a competitor. So you have to be responsive and agile about how you recruit. Yeah, and and if you if you want to recruit an agile professional. And then you show that you have a, a very long traditional process for recruitment. <laughs> People are long gone, man. They don't want you anymore. Yeah, so, they, will, they will get very scared. <laughs> right, keen to discuss agile agnosticism with you. We kind of touched upon it earlier. You mentioned, you mentioned Sam. What is it about agile agnosticism that you feel resonates with you? Why do you feel it's important? And what, is, what does agile agnosticism mean to you? Okay, so um, what does it mean to me? You know, when I wrote the manifesto, um, we were there with 17 people. We were all working in a different way compared to traditional waterfall mm -hmm. processes. Uh, but we had different angles, why we work differently, and we had different ways of working differently. 
Um, and that means that an agile practitioner, mind the gap, the agile practitioner is not using dogmatic one methodology, but is using agile practices. Mm -hmm. And also this same agile practitioner, and I think that's the characteristic of a true agilist, is also open to learn from other things that he or she has never seen before, mm -hmm. never heard before. I, I very often when I'm on stage, I will say to people, you know, agnostic agile is about you know, using, so you have the concept of agile, then you have the methodologies like TDD and XP and adaptive and crystal and scrum and DSDM and lean and Kanban, right? And they have all their practices. And this is the level where you are working on. And depending on where you think you can improve your team, you pick the practice here and you pick mm -hmm. the practice there, right? That's what it should be. And if you're dogmatic, you limit yourself. Yeah. Any kind of dogmatism limits yourself. Uh, and the one thing that an agilist is not is being limited. Mm. So being open to learn is for me the most essential one. And what I like to do, and not because of the problem that we just talked about, not in the remote times, but because I go from one, sometimes three, four conferences a day. Um, I like to be, when I'm on a conference on site, after my talk, I go to visit you know, little side talks and listen to people mm -hmm. in their own environment with their own technology doing their stuff. And think, okay, you know, what can I learn here? And I think that's what Agnostic Agile is about. Using the practices to your benefit, because then you take uh, the benefit from, mm -hmm. from other people's hard, hard learnings, because some learnings are really hard. But also never stop the experimenting and trying to improve in your specific situation. Yep. That's Agnostic. Love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of using, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, there's a, a Deloitte subway map of what Agile is. And what it does is every, every little node, if you imagine uh, the London subway, for example, you've got all these uh, tube stations like Tottenham Court Road and Arsenal, et cetera, et cetera. What they've done is they've mapped all the potential Agile practices onto each node of that. And then you click in and you learn a bit more about them. And it's got on the, on the for example, on there, it's got Crystal, it's got TDD, et cetera. All of the, all of the potential things yeah, you can amazing. think of. Yeah. And yeah. to me, that that's just a great visual to say, here's what yeah. Agile is, here's what it could be. But what you actually, what Agile is to you could be mean borrowing bits of it here, bits of it there, experimenting with this, fine, you like that, you don't like this, and continuously experimenting. And, and I often describe to me, Agile is a tool belt, right? And on my left hip, I might have Scrum, like representing a hammer, and my right hip, I might be TDD as a, as a saw, and I might use various tools to try and find what works for the situation, that the client, the company, the people I'm with. And therefore, that's how agile agnosticism is to me. It's not being dogmatic. Absolutely not. Exactly. And in fact, I, I often say if any of the agile frameworks out there were truly agile about it, they, they would include something on their implementation roadmap to say, hang on, is this framework even for you? Have you tried this or should you try that? Rather than being dogmatic about pushing their own framework. But it's the business model. I always say when the framework is not there to help your client, but it's to make money for them. Mm. That's that's what that's then the, then the shit hits the fan. I mean, <laughs> that's what happens, right? Uh, at the same time, you and I are professionals, and we know that that's their way. Great, but at the client side, I do it in a different way, and I want to work with my client that helps the client most. And I've I've learned this less, this lesson myself. I have yeah. in the past. I've I became somewhat attached to a certain framework. I'd worked with it for a few years and I was comfortable with it. And I'd seen it work successfully. And when I went into a new client, I thought, well, I've seen that work successfully. Why don't we do that same thing again here? And I pushed that agenda before really understanding the, the situation, the context, the people. So I've made this mistake in the past. I've learned from it. I don't, I don't follow that ethos anymore. And when I'm 
working with anyone new na- nowadays. It's purely a listening exercise. What, what, what are things currently being done now? Meet people where they are and then find the experiment that works for them. And that could be a huge blend of various agile possibilities out there until we find what works for them. And that's why I often say, innovate, don't replicate. Don't just copy the latest Spotify model. Don't just copy this and that. Just try things until you learn what works for you. Never copy. Don't copy. Yeah. And, and I think in hindsight, I've been an agnostic. I didn't know the word most likely, but I've been an agnostic since 1994 when I got into this because my first steps were with the rapid application development, but I always did it quote unquote my way. I started mm. innovating and improving. One of the things is that I remember that, that the rapid application development was talking about doing workshops. I had no clue. It was 1994. I was 30 years old. I had no clue what a proper workshop was. So learning that, what kind of workshops do you have? Then I missed the workshop. So I started doing heartbeats or stakeholder sessions to avoid delay. Very successful. Awesome. Okay, great. So you help other people forward and use things to your own benefit. And that kind of thinking always is, you know, learning, experimenting and sharing. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. One of my favorite phrases I've ever seen you you come out with is where, where you've talked about being such an advocate of being the architect of your own life. And I understand yeah. you've released a book with that same title. So would you, he's, he's looking around, where is it? I've only, only because I saw it on your website. Do you have a copy anywhere? There we go. You are the architect of your own life. Yeah. Now, Ari, would you mind sharing with our listeners what, what's the book about and what does this phrase mean to you? So, you know, I never wrote the book. So this is my first exercise. It's my first book. Congratulations. Because I I do a a lot of publications, you know, articles and stuff, but I thought I need to do something more. And I'm a lot on stage doing masters. People ask, what is your book? (laughs) This was my exercise because it evolved from the fact that people would say after a talk on stage, man, the way you got into Agile, that's really an inspiring story. You know, going from the healthcare into the military and then, you know, and... What I mean with your architect of your own life is the fact that people, I, I see so many people that are complaining about this is the situation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then I think, okay, so you're complaining. Yeah. So I don't like complaining. I do sometimes, right? You know, I, I take my, my whiskey and I start complaining and all <laughs> the world is, is ugly to me. But then I th- kick my ass and I think, okay, you know, the point is, Complaining doesn't help, right? So if you are in a situation that you don't like, accept it, change it, or leave. And 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 don't, I mean, if you start complaining and and, and look at other people, you know, when you, when you point at other people, and I sometimes do too, right? I'm a human being. But realize five minutes later in your reflection, you think, okay, I pointed at something, because most of the time people, oh, the culture, or oh, the company. But if I point three fingers point at myself, right? So you cannot, you cannot manage, let me use this horrible word, you cannot manage what's coming to you, but you can decide how you handle it. Mm-hmm. And you're the architect of your own life. So, you know, when, when I was doing my, my career in the healthcare and, and I could have stayed there, uh, future was settled. I had my own practice that I could go in, was already prepared. And I thought, no, I'm, and, and you leave and you, you have to handle that uncertainty because that's what you talk about. Then I got into the military and my company commander said to me, Ari, you want me to write a letter so you can go to the, the military academy, a letter of recommendation, because I really, I'm open to do that for you. And I said, uh, thank you. And that, and th- it means that again, a future was there. 
completely set, right? I said, no, it's not, it's not my game for the rest of my life. And I tried to find my own way. And even in my quote unquote IT career that I started in 1987, I switched um, uh, career, let me put it like this, a couple of times. Um, you're going back in salary and that kind of thing. And, and if you trust yourself and you believe yourself and you work hard, you get there. And that's being the architect of your own life. And it's not about work in paying money, but you know, in, in life, you know, you, if you want to improve your garden, you have to do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. You can complain about the weather, but the weather is there. What are you going to do about it? And that's your the architect of your own life. And that's also the situation because I'm actually, I'm finalizing my second book at the moment. Uh, the working title is Reaching, Reaching for Business Agility. Um, for me, uh, it's it's the same thing. You know, I get all those all those things coming to me and in the mid nineties, it was less methodologies and frameworks than today, but, and then I thought, okay, you know, what can I learn from it? And what do I want to add? Because it's coming, but I think this would be helping better. And having that free spirit, you know, that's you're the architect of your own life. You mean you keep yourself hostage. And I think everybody deserves better than keep themselves hostage. Right? Absolutely. I, I think the reason that phrase resonates with me in particular is because I, I have I have taken control of my my own life myself. If I if I reflect back to when I was sixteen, I was uh, at school. I had fifty three percent attendance in my final year of school, which is very very low, almost just over half the time I was there. And it meant that when I went to take my exams, um, they only put me in for a certain number of them because I wasn't there enough. Uh, and my, one of my prize well, not, my, not achievements, but one of my favorite things I have I own one of my prized possessions is my my list of grades from that year because they were awful. Right. And they and I can literally hold those up and say, look how bad I was once upon a time. Look how bad I was. Yeah, I, I had no. And if you, if you think about what um, all the pressure you're under at that time of your life you know, to get good grades, to go on to the next level, the next level, university, etc. Um, to me, that was like a great, a great way of me showing, look, I messed up. I fucked up. I made mistakes. It's OK. But I changed that. You know? and, and now I'm relatively successful. I, I enjoy what I do. You don't, you know, just because you make some mistakes in the past doesn't mean you can't re-architect your life and exactly. take yeah. steps to improve it. Absolutely. That's why I like that phrase. So thank you for sharing that. Question for you, though. Um, what advice do you have to others so that they could adopt that be the architect of your own life mindset? You know, we are all, no, most people are heavenly in love with their comfort zone. Mm. Um, and I understand that because it's all what you know, but you pretend a safety that's not there because things will happen, right? And um, uh, in my opinion, we have one lifetime. That's that's my belief. So other people have different beliefs. I know that, but my my belief, you have, you have one life and spend it wisely. Um, I, I am not telling you that you have to do it for your friends or for your family or for yourself or you know, that's that's up to you but spend it wisely and think about it and one thing that i remember because i take my lessons all the time wherever i am one of the things i know from the military is that because we had also those those exercises at the special forces you know, like and, and you, you think now i'm done i can't do anymore i'm completely done and then even 10 times more you can you can get up ten you can and go go more. There's always more that you can do. And I'm not talking about working twenty hours a day because people that are proud of working twenty hours a day, I would like to send them to a therapist. Mm. Right, that's my opinion. 
let's let's put in another phrase life work balance mm-hmm. um but it's true right and you decide where your happiness is don't let anybody else tell you what your happiness is but also don't fool yourself reflect what is it that you like and it's okay by the way that today you like this and six months from now you like something else great you know make your choices take yeah. it be the architect if you don't life handle it humans are not immutable we are capable of change and what you were saying is about um we have these limits these self-beliefs i can't do anything more than this but actually we're so resilient one of the reasons that humans have become the apex predator the the, the, the most dominant species on the planet is because of our resilience we would literally outlast some of our foes when they needed to rest and things like that or we could go this amount of time without having food or water and stuff it's just it's our ability to you know, be resilient that's enabled us to be as successful as we are. Also, Chris, to overcome traumas. Yeah. I understand, uh, and let's let's talk just business, right? You have been in, in, in working environments where you were forced and you were controlled and, okay, I understand. And I know your habits and your reflexes are there. You know, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, all those things. And you have those little videos that they suggest to you. And once you look at one type of video, you get a lot of those the same. So yeah, the yeah. videos that I get at the moment, because I clicked that one, is that uh, dogs that were uh, caught being in a really, really, really bad shape, you know, close to death, you know, just skin and bone, nothing else. And they are very, very scared of people. They are very scared of interacting even with other dogs and that kind of thing. And then you see someone taking time. And then after two months, there's a very healthy, playful, mm. happy dog. We can be those happy dogs too. I, I know someone with, working with humanity as an agile coach. And at one moment in time, he came to me and he said, Ari, listen, uh, I don't think I will be working with humanity long. I said, okay, what's going on? He said, um, I am tired of working with those grumpy old guys. <laughs> Because he was, and it was, I know what company he was at the time, and I could see it. I, oh, fuck, man, this happens. Um, I think as a coach, and you and I are as a coaches, right? Mm-hmm. I, as a coach, uh, let, if we can even leave the word agile. If you can find a way to make f- people feel happy, that's awesome. Uh, you're not a therapist. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But trauma is maybe not not completely right uh, when the way I use it. But if I look at that situation, you know, by intuition, overcoming traumas, because those dogs have traumas. They've been beaten up, starving, uh, all this thing. Right. So um, we, we, we could be. So everybody is able to adapt to a new environment. Mm. Don't give me that shit that it's possible. Because people say, oh, it's not our culture. And I was <laughs> fuck you. Because culture, culture is like an empty bucket, Chris. It's like mm. an empty bucket. And it's filled up by people and their habits. Mm-hmm. So those people can change their habits together. That's what they can. Yeah. And if it's not happening, it's them hindering nobody else. And that's why you're the architect of your own life. I think everyone has to put a role to play in, in cultural change. You know, you've you got to start somewhere with an experiment and then it you know, enough people get involved. You have that, that kind of curve where people start doing something and then it becomes the normal way of doing things. And I think everyone can play a part. And that's why when I hear the term resources being described to people i'm i often challenge it and i encourage others to challenge as well because it's only through enough people doing that that we'll we'll stop using language like that yeah really really good points there now uh we're coming to the end so final question and that's around retrospective so i I love creating retrospectives 
Uh, I like to have immersive and fun experiences for teams to keep them engaged. And I ask every guest on the show to add a new theme to retro to my backlog. And I've had I've had suggestions from Mike Cohen, like Taco Tuesday. I've had someone suggest Aussie animals, uh, one around Peru. So what retrospective theme would you add to my backlog? Yeah, wow. So um, cooking. Cooking, okay. And why? Um, it's COVID. <laughs> I'm home a lot, right? Okay. And uh, I noticed, and this is very human because I'm human, like you are, right? Mm-hmm. I like cooking. I actually do. But I have a busy life. So I is flying around the globe, having awesome food everywhere I go because my hosts always knows Ari like food and wine. So they drag me all over the place. <laughs> Ari has an awesome life. But I also found out that what happens is that in your own kitchen, you tend to repeat what you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, here is Ari, COVID, home 24-7, almost 24-7. And a friend of mine that I play golf with very often, she bought me a membership of a cooking um, magazine, a nice cooking magazine. And I said to myself, okay, there's one coming every month, right? And from every magazine, I will take at least one new recipe, at least one. Okay. So tonight I will make my cucumber shrimp soup. It's absolutely amazing. My youngest son, who is living with me, he's 25, he's living with me still. He loves it. And he said at one moment in time, you know, got kind of boring. Your cooking is good, but I know it, right? Yeah. And hey, this is this is really good. Retrospectives are very sensitive sessions, very mm-hmm. sensitive workshops. Because sometimes things come to the table that are not easy because mm-hmm. things are wrong. There's always the root cause analysis because you can only improve where you know what the problem is, right? It, so it will be shown at least. Uh, you need to have this very safe environment. And the the one thing that you don't want is that people know every minute what's going to happen. Now, so you have to create that atmosphere where people feel free. Mm-hmm. Transparency is really there. I think very process on the recipe, the cooking is very helpful. And I think you can use the cooking as well. There are more people in there. I do indeed. I've got some some thoughts springing to mind around what's our secret ingredients um, as a team. You know, what can we try? What, what, what can we do to spice things up? There's all sorts of metaphor and analogy I can apply related yeah, to yeah. cooking in retrospective that will, um, that will get people thinking a little bit differently because I, I I'm loath to use, or, or I'm, I'm often encourage people to stop using just the start, stop, continue, like to oh, learn, to love, because they just they can become very stale, and the same things come up over and over. Right, we are at the end of the show. So, are there any final things you'd like to share with the listeners today, Harry? Yeah, one thing, we like our comfort zone, mm-hmm. but there is only one person that can break your comfort zone, and that's you. And about chains, and about you know looking at other people oh it's so difficult and they they don't want this or the culture or the i was talking to uh to mr kofi annan uh 10 12 years ago and i was at the table with him and a couple of others for it was a group like four or five people Uh we were at the table for an hour and a half and i asked him a question about you know how what is the message to my to my my sons are now 25 and 29 but at the time they were maybe like 14 and 18 or something 
I said, what's the message that I can, can give to my boys? What do you think? And he said, Ari, tell your boys, change always starts with one person. Mm -hmm. So take your responsibility and be the architect of your own life. Wonderful final thoughts to leave us on. So thank you for being involved in the show today, Ari. Um, for our listeners, future episodes of season two, we'll be hearing from Basford, the creator of Less, Aino Corey, another retrospective fan, Pia Thorin, who um, created Agile People, and Neil Warnell. So keep, out on, keep an eye on the YouTube channel and LinkedIn to hear more about these episodes. Thank you again for being involved, Ari. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you next time. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you very much. Yes. Bye. You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.